following episode contains graphic and explicit content. Viewer discretion is advised. A Thurston County football star has been missing for more than a year. Detectives are continuing to search for Investigators him. found the young man's car with his wallet and his cell phone inside. We're not certain that he's dead. We're not certain he's alive. It's what keeps me up at night. Totally out of character for him. Shindelman's family won't give up looking until they get answers. Just desperate to know he's okay. From Sasquatch Productions, this is Hide and Seek. The Investigation of Logan Schindelman. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, today we're going to dive into some things that are sensitive and frankly hard for me to talk about. I want to take a moment to say a few things before we dive into today's episode. I want you to know, when I investigate a case, I follow the leads and stick to the facts. To give you an example of this, If you go back to my first season, when I investigated Nancy Moore's disappearance, there was a moment during the season when I had to decide whether or not I was going to ask the hard questions. This was the first time I needed to address something that was uncomfortable and hard for me to ask. You see, there was an issue of whether or not Nancy had a cell phone at the time of her disappearance. The testimony from Bill, Nancy's husband, had some discrepancies over the years as to whether or not Nancy did or did not have a cell phone. I chose to bring up the topic of the phone to Bill and eventually we were able to get past the issue. A couple of reasons why asking the hard questions is difficult for me is not because of the question itself. It's because when dealing with a case such as Logan's or Nancy's, or any victim for that matter, I never want to even consider the thought that the victim's family was in any way responsible. When I investigate a case, I never want the victim's family to feel that I'm twisting the story or sharing personal information that is irrelevant to what happened, essentially sensationalizing their loved one's story. That would just make me a malicious person and podcaster. I try my best to understand and be sensitive to the family when covering the case. I won't say I understand because I can't. Few people in this world do because until your loved one goes missing, you won't. But I, and I believe you, as a community, try our best to be sensitive. And I say all of this because today, I'm going to dive into a topic I've been honestly dreading since the day I started investigating Logan's case. Today, we're going to talk about Logan's sister, Chloe, and her boyfriend at the time, Jacob. And I want to say this before we start. If the two of you are listening, you both know how hard I tried talking to you. So. Where to begin? I'm not 100% sure when Chloe and Jacob started dating, but I believe it was around a year or year and a half before Logan went missing. At some point during their relationship, Jacob eventually moved in with Chloe, who was also living at Jenny's residence. Sometime in, in July 2015, Logan, I think at that point, Jake had moved in with Chloe and his kids. So, yeah, because some people were, had said that he and Jake got into big arguments, and I never saw any. They yeah. weren't friends, but they weren't, they didn't argue. So, at least not when, when I was around. From your recollection, you never heard of them arguing or fighting, but you did hear Logan say, you know, he told the child not to do something, and then he said, no, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not, that's what he does. Yeah. And in reference to Jake, but Jake was not in the vicinity or area to hear Logan say that. Right. 
and Logan had a hard time with how Jake or was parenting the children. Yeah. Okay. But in, you're also the kids weren't always with Jake. So did Logan? Did Logan just not have a good feeling or a relationship with Jake, or he just avoided him all around? He pretty much avoided him all around. The kids were here for a while, for about six, seven, eight months, every other week. So they were here a lot. Okay. And this was a a big mistake on my part. How so? To have done it all, but. In what way? Oh, what way were you? Uh, do you feel you wish you could have done it differently? I could have just simply not let Jake move in at all. Was there it? Was, was there yeah. more problems, or was it almost like? Do you feel like you were enabling? I feel like I was enabling. Jake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was he paying um, you rent for anything, or? Oh know, no! Contributing no. to you know income for the household, like when it came to food or anything like that. No. So is that what you mean by enabling him? Yeah. I knew that he was working. I was pretty sure he was doing more drugs than he said he was. And he did nothing around the house. You know, that was my mistake. Why do you think you let him move in? Well, Chloe was madly in love with him. And whatever that means that that is. And then, um, then he had the kids over. And I'm a sucker for little kids. We were trying to do the best we could for them and make sure they had, you know, everything they needed. And he kept saying he wanted to get custody, but he wouldn't fill out any of the paperwork. Hmm. There's been lots of talk and discussion about Jacob and Logan's relationship whether or not they got along. I know that there was, there's obviously this ongoing discussion about Logan and Jake. I was told that Logan had a hard time not with the kids, but more with Jake. And there was this large argument between the three of them about a bong. Um, do you recall the incident and what that was about? Or, or have you heard about that? No, I never saw any arguments between them. Um, no, I didn't hear anything about arguments about that. Did you ever hear arguments? And I didn't ever argue. No, I never heard. He pretty much tried to stay away from Jake, and he didn't like his parenting style. Is um, that something that Logan told you about? I heard it because he was in the family room with the two little boys, and he was telling one of them, don't do that, and he started to repeat himself, and then he said, no, I'm not going to yell at you. That's, that's what he does, meaning Jake. And he walked out of the room. And Jake wasn't anywhere nearby. So when he's living there, as far as not paying rent, not doing things around the house, and not contributing for the money it takes to put food in the fridge, it was what other ways was he... Did he have a temper that you ever saw? Did you ever feel like he was disrespectful to you or to Chloe or to Logan or to Bill? I think he was definitely disrespectful disrespectful to Chloe and probably to Logan to some degree um things like he left the kids toys all in the bathroom sink that Logan used little things like that and then I found out that he was really horrible to Chloe but I didn't find that out until recently in what kind of ways was he horrible oh she said he hit her so and then we finally Bill and I got totally fed up with it 
and Bill wanted him out right away. And I think it was probably three or four months until Chloe would have finished college. And I knew if he left, she would never finish college. So we kept him. We let him stay there and told him he had to be out by the end of June. Um, so Jake moves into Ginny's residence. And this happens, I believe, from what Mary told me, was in uh, summertime 2015. And she recalls having this conversation with Logan, and he kind of lowers his voice, like as if he was within the area of Jake or maybe Ginny or Chloe. And he says to Mary, You know who moved in, right? And I think at that point, Ginny had already told Mary, and Mary's response was, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with who moved in. Are you okay? And he's kind of like, No, but I can't really talk about it, type of thing. And that's from that time, he had already kind of not been fond of the idea of Jake moving in. Fast forward between summer 2015 to you know, May of 2016, right before he goes missing. There's this infamous altercation almost that happens between Logan, Jake, and Chloe about a bong. Apparently, Logan had broken the bong, but the bong was Jake's. And there was this scuffle or argument between Chloe and Logan and Logan and Jake. I don't know anything about that. Apparently. Yeah, there was something that was brought up, you know, there was something brought up during the um, ID channel that there was a fight or whatever. Yeah. And that was something that I guess that reporter uncovered. Um, that was new to me. I don't know if that was true or not. So, or if it was to that extent, you know, that they actually got in a fist fight. I mean, I don't know. I know it kind of gets even a little muddy with, with what has been on the TV with how Logan had a problem <laughs> with Jake. And then what it really was yeah. is Logan had a problem with Jake's kids coming into his room and messing with the stuff. And, or right. it was, Logan not liking how Jake parented his kids, and so Logan had a, you know, didn't wasn't very fond of Jake. Which naturally, I could say, okay, Logan doesn't have a dad, sees Jake being a dad, doesn't like it. It makes sense. Like you can understand it from all angles, but you don't know. You you haven't heard of there being actual truth to that, then? No. Okay. And from what Jake said to you, everything seemed to be fine between Jake and Logan. Is that right? He said, yeah, they had argued a couple times, he said, but it was just, you know, a verbal argument, you know. Sure, he said, sure. we've never gotten physical. You know, he he admitted that he had pushed Chloe one time. He had some DV issues, yeah. uh, Jake. And he admitted pushing Chloe one time and that Logan got up and said, hey, dude, you know, ah. And that they had some words, but that nothing happened. And, you know, again, it was neither here or there for me, you know. I mean, it, it might make some history or whatever, but it still doesn't prove that he was responsible for what happened to Logan. Sure. As I always do, I tried reaching out to Jacob to request an interview. This all started back in July of 2020. I hopped online to find Jacob's Facebook account. He has five accounts, by the way. I sent Jacob a message requesting to speak and that it was in regards to Logan Schindelman. Some time had gone by and I hadn't heard anything back from Jacob. I started reaching out to a few family members of his, requesting they relay the message that I wanted to speak with him. Two months after my initial request to speak, the message was finally delivered. Jacob messaged me back. On September 3rd, I received the following message. Hey, I don't know what's going on, but I would appreciate it if you can get a hold of me ASAP instead of talking to everybody else in my family. I replied, Hey man, thanks for getting in contact with me. I want to chat, but I can't tonight. Does tomorrow work for you? Jacob replied, I don't know who you are or what you're trying to do here, but I don't want to chat at all. I have nothing to say, so... Clearly, it's not that important if you can't tonight, so I would appreciate it if you would leave me and my family alone, okay? 
I had nothing to do with Logan's disappearance. Also, I've taken a lie detector test and everything else. Talked to detective and all that, so I'm confused on who you are and what you're trying to do here. After reading his message, that's when I decided to step away and give him a call. When getting on the phone with him, Jacob didn't come off aggressive. At first, a little defensive, but he truly seemed confused as to why I was contacting him. I shared who I was and what I was doing. I explained that I had the case file. I told him that since he lived at the residence and had been around Logan during the time of his disappearance, hopefully he could answer some of my questions. Our conversation went exactly how they normally do. At first, a little guarded, but after explaining what I'm doing, they're typically on board with helping. Most of the time, not always. Jacob and I scheduled our interview the next day. No answer. I messaged Jacob on September 9th. Hey Jake, trying to touch base. A little worried since I haven't heard back. Hope you're alright. Again, on September 17th. Hey man, I really want to talk. Hoping we can chat soon. I'm going to start releasing episodes soon. I'm hoping we can chat before that. On October 7th, I called Jacob. No answer. I sent him another message. Hey Jacob, are you there? On October 18th, I called him again and sent the following message. Hey man, tell me what's going on. I thought we had a good conversation that one night. Early on, I wondered if Jacob had been picked up for something and was in jail. But I can tell you, that wasn't the case. When creating a conversation in the Facebook Messenger app, once the individual replies, which Jacob had already done, you can see whether or not they've seen the most recent message that you've sent. And that's how I know. Jacob had been reading my messages, but choosing not to reply. Fast forward to January 29th, 2021. I had just released the episode, Cellbrite. I went to my Messenger app, scrolled down to my conversation with Jacob, and wrote, You there? As soon as I click send, I see a red exclamation mark next to my message. It appears Jacob blocked me. I wonder why. When Jacob and I spoke on September 3rd, I asked him if there was any truth about him and Logan having issues. He said there was no truth to it. I brought up that there were talks about the two of them physically getting into some sort of altercation and how the reason for this encounter was because Logan and Chloe had been smoking weed and Logan accidentally broke Jacob's bong. Jacob said that it never happened. He told me that the two of them never really hung out. It wasn't long after Logan's disappearance that his Aunt Mary and Uncle Mike hired a private investigator named Dave Haller. Haller is a retired detective from Thurston County Sheriff's Office. From the reports I've read, Haller has a good reputation and worked many years as a major crimes detective. Detective Beale shared the case file with Haller and told him that he had 100% cooperation from him, Detective Beale. When Beale and Haller reviewed Logan's case, Haller believed there may be foul play involved with the case. He didn't articulate specifically why he believed there was foul play other than it appeared there was no other explanation as to why Logan is missing. Now, Haller intended on focusing more on the family for his investigation. He interviewed Ginny and Bill, but didn't interview Chloe and Jacob. He reported that Ginny and Bill didn't tell him they were present at the residence while he was there, indicating he later found out from Mike and Mary that Chloe and Jacob were in a shop out back, or something to that effect. Sound familiar? Hi. Hi. You might be wondering why the attention went to Jacob so quickly early in the investigation. Some of it has to do with his life decisions and criminal background. I find it a little unnecessary to air out Jacob's criminal record. 
but only to say he had run-ins with the law during the year before and after Logan went missing. In the year just prior to Logan's disappearance specifically, there was included an assault charge. When investigating possible foul play, details like this are important to note. I don't know who or what happened with this particular incident, but you could understand when looking over Jacob's criminal background why Haller directed his attention towards Jacob, when nothing else made sense as to why Logan would disappear. Before Detective Beale spoke with Haller, Carlos Cerrone, the truck driver, stated he found some images of someone he thought that looks like the person he saw fleeing the vehicle on I-5. He shared those images with Beale, and I want to be clear, the images that Carlos shared were found online. Carlos wasn't saying that this was the man who fled the Sebring, but that the person in the picture resembled who jumped out of the vehicle. Now, Dave Haller eventually interviewed Carlos over the phone, and here's the first hiccup. Instead of providing a photo montage to Carlos, he asked Carlos to look at Jacob's Facebook profile and see if Jacob matched the person he saw leaving the vehicle. Now, after Carlos looks at Jacob's Facebook profile, he said, and I quote, Jacob with the hat and light beard looks just like the person he saw get out of the car on the 20th and run into the woods. When I said this was the first hiccup, it's because Carlos didn't pick Jacob out of a photo lineup. Carlos's testimony is kind of tainted in a way because of this. I'm not saying he's lying or wrong, but you could understand how much more weight his testimony would have if there was a lineup of 10 males and then Carlos says, that's the one. But just showing one image isn't necessarily best practice. Now, Detective Bill did interview Jacob. Initially, Bill attempted to have Jacob come into the sheriff's office for the interview. The first appointment, Jacob called Bill prior to the meeting and explained he forgot about his court-ordered DV classes and that he wasn't able to get to the sheriff's office. The next time they were supposed to meet, Jacob missed again and stated he completely forgot about the appointment and didn't realize he missed it until after the scheduled time. Now, in the case file, Detective Bill states that he tried to motivate Jacob to come in for the interview by telling him that he would pick Jacob up from where he worked, Pacific Wall Systems, so that there were no more excuses. Beal also shared with Jacob that he would be talking with his employer while he was there. But when the day came that Beal was supposed to pick up Jacob, Jacob called Beal and stated he was getting sent home early, and if Beal wanted to talk to the individuals that had access to the specific information Beal needed, that he would have to hurry up and make it to the work site or everyone would be gone. So Detective Beal rushed over and was able to speak with Jacob and some of his coworkers. When speaking with Jacob, Bill states that he didn't provide any insight into the case. He reiterated similar information already put forth by the family. Now, he did say he tried to encourage Logan to get in touch with his mother, Hannah. Jacob denied any type of altercation between the two of them and explained they didn't really talk. Most of what he knows about Logan was information given by Chloe throughout their relationship. While Bill is at Jacob's worksite, he spoke with a gal who was in charge of the timesheets. Her name is Stevie. Stevie provided a copy of Jacob's time card for that pay period as well as the previous time cards from weeks past. When Beal observed the time cards, he noticed the time card in question was not stamped every day of the week for May 16th through the 20th. The only stamp was on Monday of that week. The rest was handwritten in. Now Beal asked Stevie why the times were handwritten onto the time card. She explained that particular week, a group of workers, including Jacob, drove into Seattle to work each day. The way the company operates is that they receive blueprints from other construction companies and they make wall units. 
the wall units are then shipped to Seattle and other locations where they are installed. For this particular project, there was an issue with the walls that had been shipped to Seattle. Some measurements were off and needed to be corrected. The company sent their crew up to fix the issue. Stevie explained, Jory and Steve, not to be confused with Stevie, went with Jacob up to Seattle that week to fix the errors. Detective Beale spoke with both Stephen and Jory. They both stated Jacob was working with them in Seattle. Steve couldn't specify what hours they worked, but Jory stated they met early in the morning every day, around 5 or 6 a.m. He couldn't remember specific times to commute to Seattle. He elaborated, saying they frequently got stuck in traffic both ways. He explained they were working long days, though only eight hours were logged, and one of those days, they didn't get back to the area until 9 p.m. due to traffic. Beale did ask Jacob if they got paid during their travel time, and he said they did not. When I looked at Jacob's call records on the 19th, the first call he receives is from Stevie at 9.31 a.m. Jacob's last phone call is at 8.46 p.m. when he calls a guy by the name of Craig. When observing all 91 calls and text messages placed on Thursday the 19th, some things stick out to me. I'm curious about Jacob and Stevie's relationship. While working together, was it strictly professional? Did they become friends? Was there any kind of romantic relationship? Like, what role did Stevie play in Jacob needing to contact her while he was working? Because Jacob said he would call in to report his time. I would assume the call would be made to Stevie. But there was a discrepancy as to whether it was Jacob or Stephen who would call in to report their time for this project. But Jacob calls Stevie again at 12.21 p.m. He makes a few other calls and text messages. Then at 2.25 p.m., you see Jacob texting back and forth with Jory. Remember, Jory was supposed to be with Jacob and Stephen working off-site in Seattle. Jacob then reaches out to his stepfather's brother. He calls Craig again at 2.40 p.m., and then a couple text exchanges between Jacob and Jory happen. At 3.02 p.m., Jacob receives a call from a number I haven't had much luck with figuring out yet, but I'm working on it. At 3.38, Jacob receives a text message from Griffin. Remember Griffin texted Logan, 75 half, but we don't know what time Griffin sent that message because Logan's phone didn't receive the text along with Ginny's until later that night at 8.45 p.m. That's when his phone connected to the home Wi-Fi. But at 3.38 p.m., Griffin sends Jacob a text. Jacob replies two minutes later. Griffin sends another one at 3.42 p.m. At 3.45, Jacob then calls a number linked to Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma is 38 miles north of where Logan and Jacob live. I want to point this out because this is the only time that Jacob ever calls someone in that area. Who that person is, I don't know yet. Then, Jacob and Griffin swap 16 text messages and one call made by Jacob to Griffin. Now, I've tried getting in touch with Griffin. I've messaged people who know him to see if they could relay the message. No luck yet. But when looking back at Jacob's history beginning with Monday of that week, Jacob first called Griffin once on Tuesday, and that was it. On Wednesday, there were a total of three text exchanges between the two. So the 19 texts and one call between Jacob and Griffin on Thursday seems out of the ordinary. And the last exchange between the two of them is at 4.23 p.m. Two minutes later, Jacob receives a text from his stepdad's brother. So technically Jacob's uncle. His name is Richard. What I can tell you about Richard is what I've been told from a trusted source. Richard wouldn't hurt a fly. He's one of the most kindest guys you'll ever meet has a good job, and isn't involved with drugs. But Jacob texts Richard back, and they go back and forth 11 times between 4.25 and 7.10 p.m. And then, 
there are 31 interactions between Jacob and Chloe. Jacob calls Chloe at 7.29 p.m. and seems to just keep calling. 7.29, 7.30, 7.31, 7.32, and it goes on 14 times until she finally responds and sends him two text messages, the first at 7.46 and then another a minute later. Jacob continues to call her at 7.48 and again at 7.50. Chloe sends him three more text messages all within a minute at 7.51. Jacob again calls Chloe at 7.53. It appears that Chloe isn't answering. She responds by sending him two more messages, and it goes on like this for eight more minutes. In all fairness, I did go back to see what looked normal for Jacob and Chloe when it came to their communication. On Wednesday, Jacob called Chloe eight times between 4.04 and 4.21 p.m., but I haven't seen a time like this where it almost appears as though one is refusing or ignoring the other's calls or texts, or even a string of 10-plus calls back-to-back but the calls and texts between the two stops at 8.01 p.m. That was Jacob's last call to Chloe. 38 minutes later, Jacob calls Craig, then calls a man by the name of Chase, but it appears the line is busy since the AT&T report I'm reading off of says, call wait. And the last time Jacob uses his phone is at 8.46 p.m. He calls Craig again. Now, I've spoken with Craig. He didn't want to go on record, but we did have a conversation about his relationship with Jacob. From what Craig said, Jacob and him met while working at Pacific Walls and System. They hung out a few times. Jacob and Chloe watched a few Seattle Seahawks games at Craig's house. They went fishing a couple of times, but that was it. When I brought up Logan to Craig, he said he knew about Logan's story because of Chloe. Never met him, but was heartbroken for her. He even checked in a few times with Chloe to see if she was okay or if any progress was made in her brother's case. I asked Craig if he ever had a romantic relationship with Chloe. He said never. I asked him why Jacob would have been contacting him. He said maybe it had to do with work, but couldn't remember. Before ending my conversation with Craig, I brought up the fact, knowing he's a father, how hard it would be not knowing where your child is. Craig agreed and said he'd do whatever he could to find out what happened. I followed up by asking if he had any knowledge of what happened to Logan. He said absolutely not. I asked, you're not hiding or covering for Jacob or Chloe? He replied, Man, if I knew anything, I would have taken it to the police. I'd never help cover something like that. Hell no. I got a kid. When I brought up that Jacob and Chloe weren't helping me, he was shocked. Said, that doesn't make sense. Let's continue to May 20th. There are 122 interactions on Jacob's phone. His activity begins at 8.08 a.m. He sends a text message to his coworker Jory at 8.08, sends another a minute later to Craig. Jacob then calls his stepdad, Alton, followed by a call to Uncle Richard. Richard calls him back, but when looking at the calls in the morning, nothing really sticks out to me. He contacts a few co-workers, Stevie, a girl named Sasha, a guy named Ricky, and a few others. There are a few numbers I don't know as of yet. At 12.34pm, Jacob receives a text from Chloe. No response from Jacob. But at 1.14pm, He does message a person that I don't want to name yet, so we're going to call them Jamie. Two minutes later, Chloe sends him another text. 18 minutes passes by. Jamie messages him again. A minute later, Chloe sends another text. It goes on like this a few more times, and it's not until 1.44pm that Jacob finally responds to Jamie. At 1.46, 
Chloe sends him a text message and three more at 154, 204, and 235. Jacob calls a fellow coworker at 256. And at 303, Chloe sends two more text messages. Jacob then calls an unknown number at 321, followed by a minute later texting the same number. They reply to him a minute later. At 4.39 p.m., he receives a text from Chloe. He then sends a text to Griffin at 4.40. Griffin replies at 4.43. They correspond two more times within minutes. Jacob calls Chloe at 5.01 p.m. It appears she doesn't answer because inside the minute, Jacob texts Griffin and Chloe. Jacob then calls Chloe a few more times that night. Now, Griffin and Jacob continue to communicate throughout the rest of the evening. The next day, Saturday, May 21st, Griffin and Jacob interacted 21 more times between 10.35 a.m. and 2.05 p.m. So if you're keeping track, there was no communication between Jacob and Griffin on Monday. Once on Tuesday, three times on Wednesday, 20 times on Thursday, 17 times on Friday, and 21 times on Saturday. When reading over the case file, Detective Beale wrote the following when looking into Jacob's alibi. Talking with Stephen and Jory, what they said didn't sit well with me based on their body language at the time. Stephen had an extremely vague grasp of time for that week. This was odd as traveling to Seattle or more specifically Kenmore did not happen on a regular basis. Also, Jory seemed all too eager to say Jacob was with him. On August 2nd, 2016, I returned to Pacific Wall Systems and spoke with different employees, Mike Guilford and Dudley Kirby. Dudley Kirby is the shop foreman and Mike Guilford oversees the entire operation at the location. I explained to them my concerns about the information I was presented by Stevie, Stephen, and Jory and the possibility Jacob and the other employees could be lying about Jacob's whereabouts on the 19th and 20th of May. Mike provided me with the employee work roster. The roster shows that Jory did not work on the 19th or 20th. When talking with Jory again, his recollection of which specific days he went to Seattle was vague. But when he did go to Seattle, Jacob was with him. I also learned from Jory that Stephen and Jacob associated outside of work. This is where things get interesting. When I returned to Jacob's workplace, I was told Stephen Grant was no longer the shop foreman. That position now belonged to Dudley Kirby. When Stephen was the shop foreman, he used a work cell phone. That cell phone was then given to Dudley to use when taking over the position. Dudley allowed me to look through the phone and text logs. When I scrolled through the device, I saw a text message sent to Jacob's cell phone on Wednesday, May 18th at 4.39 p.m. The message said, no work, indicating that there was no work for the next day, Thursday the 19th. When I looked at the text and call logs on the work phone, Stephen did not call or text Jacob. However, there are several calls from Jacob to Stephen on Thursday the 19th throughout the day. When I discovered this information, I contacted Jacob and re-interviewed him. Jacob reiterated what he had told me previously. The new information he provided was that he may have lied about the days he worked. During this interview, Jacob says one thing that contradicts what Stephen shared. Stephen stated he would call Jacob's work hours in. Jacob stated he would call his own hours in. Jacob also said that Logan and him would smoke weed at the house they lived at. He never knew Logan to use any drugs harder than marijuana. He didn't believe Logan ever sold drugs either. When I asked about Logan's behavior, Jacob was able to elaborate a little more, stating when Logan started working at Panorama City, he became a bit of a recluse and started acting weird. 
He said he would do things like wait until everyone went to bed before he would come out of his room and get something to eat. But again, Jacob denies any type of altercation between the two of them and reiterated that he has never driven Logan's vehicle. At this point during the interview, Bill calls out Jacob for how he had lied about his work schedule and that there were witnesses who believed they had seen Jacob driving Logan's vehicle. Bill asked Jacob if he would submit to a polygraph. Jacob was agreeable to the idea. On August 2, 2016, Bill receives a call from Jacob's roommate's phone. Jacob stated that his phone was shut off, but that he would be getting a new phone soon and would contact Bill from the new phone and number. Now, if you're wondering about Jacob's phone being shut off, remember that Jacob was on Jenny's phone plan. From what I know, Jacob and Chloe had some sort of physical altercation which led to law enforcement responding and Chloe getting arrested. Jacob moved out of Jenny's residence along with being removed from the family cell plan. On September 29th, Bill hadn't heard from Jacob since they last spoke on August 2nd. Bill tried contacting Jacob via Facebook, but Jacob is no longer communicating with Bill. At some point, Jacob had a warrant out for his arrest. Bill sent requests to patrol units to attempt and capture Jacob, but had no success. On October 12th, a tip was shared with Bill that Jacob was at his mother's house. The next day, Jacob was arrested for his warrant. On October 14th, Bill spoke with Jacob at the jail, asking why he had stopped communicating with him. Jacob said he was afraid of getting arrested. But with all that, he was still willing to take the polygraph. You know, and again, that's when I was talking to Bill. I said, you know, we got to come up with some kind of question I can ask, you know, that, that kind of covers what it is, you know, you, you want. You know, and, and I basically asked him point blank if he was responsible for the disappearance or if he knew he was responsible for the disappearance, you know, and he said no. And, I mean, it, 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 he passed. Now, Mike Ward, my former boss, by the way. Okay. Mike, a long time ago when I worked patrol, he comes out with that pug. And, and that's true. I, I mean, I, it's not 100%. Most of it is, is the interview. You know, when I interview somebody, I mean, you know, and maybe I'm bragging a little bit, but I kind of get an idea when I'm talking to somebody as to whether or not there's something there or not, you know. And, and he was very forthcoming, you know. He's like, look, man, I'm not a saint. Matter of fact, he was in jail at that time for some kind of DV stuff, you know. And he said, you know, I've had some stuff going on, but I didn't do, I have nothing to do with that shit, you know. And he was very forthcoming. I had no reason to disbelieve him, you know. Yeah. I mean, I hit him with all kinds of stuff, and he never once at anything he's like you're barking up the wrong tree man so you've done this way more than any of us have who are going to be listening you're you're walking away from that interview you didn't feel like even with the even with the with with the passing polygraph you walked away feeling like okay like he knows he's got things that he deals with and that he's got problems or that he's got a record whatever but that i had nothing to do with you feel like that's the truth yep and i even told bill that because bill's watching i'm like dude i don't think he had anything to do with this but we'll see you know, because again, you know, I believe my charts when I do the charts. But yeah, it was just coincided with what I was seeing, you know. And, and uh, like I said, it was no problem for him to pass the test. And, and, you know, in all my years of being an interviewer, you know, I can tell when I'm when I'm getting under your skin, you know. And I tell everybody, it's my job to, it's kind of like a boxer. Once I stun you, it's to keep hitting you, hitting you, hitting you, hitting you until you give it up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I hit him with all kinds of stuff and he never wavered once. And like, now again... Is he, could he be one of those um, freaking weirdos that ain't got no soul? Could be, you know, but I mean, you know, he, he, he talked very, you know, he's like, I've got some DV issues, you know, and, and, it, and then why would he even bring up the point that he pushed Chloe, you know, that implicates him, you know, 
had nothing to do with nothing, but he said, yeah, man, there was one time we got in an argument, and had to do something. It could have been this bong, I don't know, but it had to do some weed or something. And he, he got pissed off at Chloe, and she got, you know, loud with him, and he shoved her. And then Logan got up and said, hey, uh, and then he said that was the end of it, so. I know, polygraphs aren't admissible in court, but I will say, Jacob taking the test is a bold move by him if he actually had something to do with it. A couple of things that stick out to me during this meeting with Jacob, he said that he and Logan smoked marijuana together in the past and had gone to the local dispensary to purchase marijuana and marijuana oil. Jacob stated that he considered Logan a friend as he's dating Logan's sister, Chloe. So if Jacob wasn't at work, where was he? You see, there's a reason why we went over most of the calls between Jacob and Chloe, or Jacob and other individuals, because where Jacob says he was at doesn't sit right with me. Now Jacob does say during the meeting that he has taken the polygraph, that he acknowledges that he was not working on the days he originally said he was. Kinda hard to argue that when they have a text from the foreman saying, no work. Jacob told Detective Frawley that he thought he was at work, but it was determined that he was with Chloe floating the river. I typed in my search bar, May 19th, 2016, weather, Tumwater, Washington. When considering when someone would float the river, on Thursday the 19th, the high was 55 degrees, the low was 48. On Friday, the high was 66 degrees, the low was 52. Now, I'm not someone who floats the river too frequently, but is it safe to say that the temperature doesn't seem to fit with his story? Or am I jumping to conclusions, assuming that you're floating in some sort of tube, when maybe it's something else? So, if you're listening to this, Jacob, let's say you're floating the river with Chloe on Thursday. Why are there calls and texts going in and out of your phone basically the entire day? The first text between you and Chloe is from her at 12.22pm. If she's with you, why is she texting you? But let's say you went floating on Friday. Same questions. Tons of incoming and outgoing calls and texts. And again, your communication with Chloe doesn't show that the two of you are floating the river together. I'd be curious to know if anyone could provide any sort of proof of this float. A picture, for example, or testimony from someone who went with you guys. These are all questions I've had for you and Chloe. I feel they're valid, tough, but valid questions. And I imagine these questions may even upset you. But I want you to remember something. Think back to our conversation where you and I know what was said between the two of us. You said you were willing to talk, and you said that you considered Logan a friend. So would you be willing to still have that conversation with me? Because remember, this is your friend. I'm still willing to talk, if you are. Early on in my investigation, I spoke with Detective Frawley about a lead that I've held off from telling you guys. The reason is that I was waiting for him to get out of a work release program. He's asked me not to share his name, so today, this gentleman that we're going to be referring to is David. Have you had much co- or talks, or, or have you worked with Hannah or Chloe? I've had zero talks with Hannah. Uh, she won't talk to me. And like I tell her, but I can't make her talk to me. Right. Um, Chloe spoke to us a couple times. Um, now she's pissed off at it again because there was an instance 
kid recently at Jenny's house where I think her girlfriend got arrested or some shit, and then they ended up arresting Chloe as well, and so she didn't want to talk to us. And um, we have had conversations with her um, when she kind of calms down, and because there was another dude, um, the hell's his name, saying that Jake and him got in a fight and they put him under the hot tub or put him in the septic tank and all that. They're at Jenny's house and all that's been investigated too and nothing came out of that. But We said this not, was that was that was Chloe's boyfriend? I guess they were dating off and on or something like that. I might have his name wrong. Let me let me look him up real quick. Okay. He's a knucklehead because he wanted to give us information and then our deputies went to go talk to him while he gets to pursue with our deputies. Now he's in prison for having dope and, and uh, he wants to give a tip. I finally talked to him in the, in the jail and I'm like, look, you know, I'm not going to help with these charges right now you have going on, but if what you're telling me, you know, I, I will work with you, right? And nothing ever came out of it. Now I'm listening to jail phone calls, telling his mom that I'm going to get the $10,000 and I'll pay you back the money if you can put some money on my phone, that kind of stuff. And, but none of it transpired. Um, and even to the point where they said it was buried under the hot tub, which wasn't true. Um, and then the septic tank, they said it was in the septic tank. Well, then I even checked with the records and, and the septic had been pumped afterwards. And if he was in there, was pieces jammed. like uranium, your femurs and like that would have been sucked up with it. So, but again, it was tips that we got and we worked them and there was nothing there. He said that Jake and Logan got in a fight and that, Jake choked him out and killed him. And then they put him in, in Chloe's car and they were driving around the three of them. Jake, Chloe, and then were driving around. They went to uh, some some lake and then they came back and then they ended up, um, the, the, the second time he changed the story, they threw him in the septic tank. And when you said the three of them, I just want to make sure I got this right. It's Jake, uh, Chloe, and Logan? And Logan's dead in the trunk. Oh, shit. Yeah. But that's, why, why would, what's his motive? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it makes me. I, you you kind of hit it on the nose. You said I can't help you out with this now, but if you this pans out, I can help you later on down the road. Right. And yeah, he thought listening. I'd get him out of jail right away. You know, and I'm oh. like, no, nah, dude. I said, why'd you run? You? I said, you're the one that's putting the word out there that you want to talk to me. As our deputies go to contact you, so we can meet up. And you, well, I just got scared, you know. And I said, well, you know, that's not gonna look good. No. No was never given a poly correct no and with did he say so he said him and, and logan jake and logan had gotten into an argument and jake ended up choking out logan mm -hmm. did he say what the fight was about no because see the first time he says the story him and chloe are in the hot tub they're at Jeannie's house and chloe gets drunk starts crying saying that this is what happened to logan that was the first rendition of the story then it changed from Chloe telling him to him being there and he was under the hot tub and then it changed from him being there and he was in the septic tank. So his, his story changed every time too, which again, keep your story straight. So but when I did talk to um, Chloe that one time, you know, she said, you know, he's just a lying son of a bitch, you know, and she cussed him out, you know, she's got a really filthy mouth on her, you know, and, and um, you know, she's like, he doesn't know shit about nothing and that never happened. And so... For David to say something like this, I wanted to hear it from him. Was this some kind of plot to get the reward money? I called the house where David's work release program was stationed at. They denied my call and said I would have to wait until he got out of the program. 
Some time went by and found out he had been released. I was told to reach out to a specific individual who could help me get connected. Well, I had heard around that, that, that one of the theories was possibly that Jacob could have, could have possibly had something to do with this. Now, I know is your nephew. Yes. And I know that there were some um, talks about possibly him knowing what had happened to Logan. Yes, because he was sleeping with Logan's sister. So I I will um, do what I can to get a hold of him. I'm hoping he gets his phone back quick. If you can help me with this, I would greatly appreciate it. This is how we're able to find the answers and the truth is by getting people to come forward and have a conversation and, and talk. All right. Well, I'll be back to you. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. It was no more than an hour that I got a call back. He said yes. Yes, he will. So what, what, what were his words exactly, he said? I fucking know Jacob did it. All right. Uh, let me get his number... All right, let me get his number. So I gave David a call. After some convincing, David allowed me to share our recording, but he just wanted to make sure I removed his name. Okay, so um, did you and Jacob, like, hang... You said he was a couple of grades higher than you, but did you guys hang out, like, during school or when you were growing up? No, not really. I mean, we'd all... uh swim at like the Scully Park and stuff like that but go like up to Cabo Forest to the TV at the like the bonfire parties and stuff up there too but we never like really hung out let's kind of fast forward because I believe Jacob and Chloe were dating and seeing each other uh, before you had moved in yeah did you know Logan did you ever talk to him hang out with him no no I, I mean I, I'd seen him a couple times but I never really he was yeah, a lot younger, so I just didn't really co-converse. You were not living at at Chloe's at that time when Logan went missing, correct? No. You didn't hang out with Logan, but we're, the timeline where we're at right now is Logan went missing May 20th, or May, early, early morning May 20th, and you and Chloe aren't in communication, like you guys aren't talking during this time, correct? Okay. When do you and Chloe start talking again? Uh, I don't know. It had to be at least like a year after. A year after she left, or he left, or disappeared. Okay. Start talking again. About a year. Yeah. Do you remember at all, kind of how that how that came about? Like, how did you guys run back into each other to to start talking? Okay, so Facebook, you guys start talking again, and you eventually moved in with her, correct? Yeah. Okay. Take me to the point where you guys have a conversation about Logan and what happened to Logan. Um, pretty much, I, one night she got really, she got really drunk. She told me, told me like, I don't remember if it was her or him. I think was she said that he had something to do with his disappearance. I'm so sorry. Can you repeat that? I can't hear you. It's breaking out. Uh, he, she was crying, like sobbing, and, like emotional 
breakdown and was like, that Jake had something to do with uh, his disappearance. And then she like sped off in her car and, and wrecked it around the corner, like put a hole in her transmission can. It's hysterical. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've never seen her break down. I've seen her cry over her brother, but I haven't seen her. Do you do you, do you remember where this was at when she? Yeah, it was at my, was at my grandpa's. Is she in her car at this point when she tells you this, or yeah. is she, and she's telling you this that Jacob had something to do with it? Yeah. Did she say what happened? No, she didn't go into detail. Did you ask her any questions? Like, how do you well, know? I, mean, I, try, I tried to, but I mean. Okay, and so then she drove off, and she ends up getting into a, an, an accident. Yeah, she breaks. She went straight around the corner. She gets into the accident. After that, I imagine that you guys talk again. Yeah, I fixed her car. I, she had a hole in the transmission pan. I, I uh, patched it up with some Bondo and had to put a uh, new uh, filter in her transmission and, and trim the fluid. I mean, I imagine the conversation got brought up again, like, hey, you had mentioned that night that Jacob had something to do with it. I imagine that you guys revisited or circled back to that conversation. I mean, I tried to, and she said, I don't want to talk about it. Was there ever, I mean, there was conversations that Logan was underneath the hot tub at their place. Was that ever something that you had shared with Frawley or, or anybody? Uh, I mean, I tried to tell Frawley, and uh, it was in the septic tank. And that's was like, I don't know, I just sort of had a feeling because it's just eerie around there, man. I don't know, I just sit at that house and it's like, I don't know. And it was like weird because Jenny, like, I don't know, she, her and her husband, he did, she just passed away and then she started acting real weird. Like she wasn't, she was like happy that he was dead, I don't know. That Bill was dead? Yeah. See, there was like, no, she didn't cry or nothing. He died, he died in my arms. Like, he, you know, Chris was, uh, giving, giving him CPR, and I was the one that he, I ran in there, and he was, yeah, no, it was crazy. He came from, from the hospital, and then just, like, yeah, it was crazy. The the theory of Logan being underneath the fire, the I'm sorry, underneath the hot tub, did you did you mention, or in, in the septic tank? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, tried, I tried to tell him, because they were like, if you help us find find uh logan Childman, the third sky sheriff they're like oh we'll we'll make your charges go away and i was just like trying to talk to them and they just pretty much like fish hooked me i got another uh another charge and then they freaking uh gave me 50 months but you really didn't have any any additional information other than chloe telling you that jake had something to do with it yeah because chloe never told you any details other than jake did had something to do with it yeah. He only smoked weed, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember uh, going into his room and he would just be like, there was weed crumbs on the table and stuff like that. And Chloe gave me a pair of his shoes. Really? Why? Uh, I don't know. She she said because um, um, I needed a pair of shoes. But my shoes were wet. With what Detective Frawley said, in, when, in regards to the $10,000 reward for giving information leading to Logan's body or, or what happened to him. 
they said that there was a phone call between you and your mom like because my question to him was well what what led him referring to you like what led him to start providing this information like i don't understand he said neither do i he said but there was a phone call between cody and his mom talking about how he was going to get this ten thousand dollar reward money by providing information leading to logan's disappearance or the what happened to him and he said that there was a phone call between you and your mom the one thing i was trying to check off the board Telephone. Yeah, you sharing this information was because you wanted to try to get the ten thousand dollar reward. Nah, so he he was trying to tell he was trying to tell me that that my charges he would, helped him uh, disappear. He would talk to the prosecutor, and they client they like blackmailed me like they they were like, oh, if you help us do this, we'll, we'll. and I I don't even know why they came to talk to me in the first place and like pin me down and. So the 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 theory. Or probably what he was sharing about, you know, this this seemed to be more of like a trying to take advantage of the reward money. Because when Chloe told you, you weren't when Chloe told you that that Jacob had something to do with it. Like you weren't, you didn't have a warrant for your arrest at that time, did you? No. With you, with your conversation with Chloe, she didn't give you anything other other than this is what happened, or other than Jacob had something to do with it. I think, in all fairness, because you had mentioned Chloe had been drinking heavily that night. Would it? Would she respond and say he was drinking heavily that night? He, how can he remember? No, I, I, I wasn't drunk. No, she she had been drinking and she came over to my grandpa's where I was staying. So, do you find that? I mean, do you find that odd that every time that you wanted to talk to her, that she wouldn't speak about it and she'd just get upset or like she would? Yeah. Did she ever mourn the fact that my brother's still missing and it's a year later and we still haven't found him? Like, was it ever not ever like was it ever a topic of discussion that you guys would just talk about and try to figure out what happened? No, not at all. Have you talked to Jake? I have not. So you've never spoken to him since Chloe's told you Jacob had something to do with it? Yeah, I mean, I I tried to hit him up on Facebook, so that's where I went to prison, but. I mean, he has sent me a friend request since I've been out. Man. Since you've been out recently? Yeah. Really? So you, but you haven't talked to him since you got out. Yeah. That's interesting. How long ago did he send you that friend request? Uh, I don't know, a month ago. Well, that's interesting. I'll tell you why. So I had been hitting him up, trying to get him on the phone, and I was I was at that point where I was reaching out to everybody around him. So I got on the phone with him, kind of like I did with you, explaining. Well, who I am, why I'm doing it, what my motive is, and why I'm calling you. He was like, oh, yeah, okay. And he's like, well, I've already been clear. And I was like, I know. Like, I, trust me, I've already talked to Detective Raleigh. I've read the case file. And he was like, okay, like, yeah, I'd be more than willing to help out. And I said, okay, so I want you to know something, though. I said, there was a conversation I had with Detective Frawley that mentioned you having some sort of involvement because of something Chloe had said to and I said, oh, you probably know who is, right? And he goes, yeah, I know who is. He goes, I, I, I didn't know him, but like I, I know of him. I said, I just don't want you to feel like I'm trying to, you know, sucker punch you with this question tomorrow. So I just want you to be prepared for it. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And I said, do you know what he said? And he goes, I've kind of heard some rumors and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. I just want you to know I'm going to ask about it tomorrow. All right, sounds good. After that, that was probably about two months ago. The next day I call, he's just disappeared. I send him text messages. I see he reads them. I send him Facebook messages. I see he reads them. He's just disappeared. Like, he won't talk now. And my other question would be is, has Chloe tried reaching out to you? 
was gonna buy uh, Logan's car, but I got a different car. When were you gonna do that? When I first got out of prison. But when you say when I got out of prison, you're not talking about when I got out of work release. Okay. Oh. When I got out of custody. So how long ago was that? September 14th. So in September, you were gonna buy his car once you got out. Uh, no, I talked to her after I got out, and I was gonna buy it, but I, I ended up finding a different vehicle. When, when you say you were talking to her, who were you talking to? Chloe. No, so you've spoken to Chloe since you got out, which is back in September. Yeah. I mean, how often were you guys talking? I don't know. Maybe uh, before I got out, like maybe once a month. Did she ever mention me or the podcast or what we're doing? That's interesting, because I, I, I told Jenny, I said, hey, I'm going to be speaking with It's not going to look good if Chloe doesn't want to be able to defend or, or give me her side of the story. And she's like, yeah, I know. I told her. She said that, you know, lying and making it up, and she doesn't know why he's doing that. So it's interesting that she was still speaking to you, but never mentioned or brought up like, hey, don't talk to this guy, or hey, you know, keep that what I said between us. Like she, nothing like that. Never brought anything like that up, huh? No. When's the last time you guys spoke? Right, right after I got out, probably the week after I got out. And that was at that point. It was you were gonna buy the car. You didn't end up buying the car. That's that's really really odd because I was just up there in Logan's car a month and a half ago. Do you plan on accepting that friend request from Jacob, or do you plan on kind of just keeping distance? I mean, I could, but I don't really want to. I'm just I mean, actually, actually, I think I did. I did accept the friend request, but I haven't been talking. Did he message you at all? Uh, I could Because I know, I know Chloe was staying at her mom's for a while after after that happened. Oh, really? I helped her move her stuff back to her grandma's. When you guys start talking? Yeah. She already, like, attacked me one time. Had the police go to my mom's house and shit. It was, like, after she first found out that, uh, that I had said something. It was after you had, after she had found out that you had mentioned the conversation you guys had about Jacob having something to yeah. do with it. She got upset and then like kind of retaliated in a way. Uh, yeah. I mean, she came over. She came over loaded. Was she drunk or something? And freaking pretty much five sheriffs showed up. I was out on bail, and then she she like scratched me across the face and and down down my chest and uh, around my neck. I find it extremely odd that Chloe was still in contact with David even after knowing that he had shared what he did with Detective Frawley. And I guess I find it as odd timing. Not long after I contacted Jacob, he sends a friend request to David. Remember when I tried calling Jacob on October 7th? This is when my calls were still going through. Seven days later, Jacob sent the following message to David on Facebook. Do me a favor, homeboy, and keep my name at your fucking mouth. Especially when you're saying shit you don't know much about. To me, it sounds like you might know something about. Next time on Hide and Seek. Alright, for the sake of me having this recorded, I do need you to state your name and and I'm, are you allowing me to record this uh, conversation that we're having uh, with the intentions of keeping you anonymous?
changing your vocals to sound different, still sealing your identity. Is that okay? Yes. You came across some information that was strong enough, or I guess disturbing enough for you to feel like something doesn't sit right with you there. And I'll let you decide how you want to explain it, but can you tell me about it? So, um, Logan went missing in, you know, uh, mid to late May of 2016. Shortly after that, uh, within days of his disappearance, I heard that Chloe, Logan's older sister, and her boyfriend at the time, Jake, had came into about $35,000 and were spending quite the amounts of money from going, going from, you know, pretty much nothing, no money, um, scrounging around, uh, getting by, so, so to say, uh, to now they've got this big lump sum of money going on vacation, um, just weeks after the disappearance of her brother. And there was also something that you had you had messaged me that there was also a conversation that you had I don't know if it, if you overheard if it was secondhand knowledge I don't know what it was I'll let you tell me but there was also a conversation that something was said from Jake that doesn't really seem to sit right with you. No, he's not. He's fucking dead. Drop it. 